Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee completed his comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible before going to be with the Lord in 1997, and we are pleased to bring you recorded excerpts from the Life Study of Colossians on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's Life Study. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 says, I now rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the church. Did you ever consider that there was still a lack concerning Christ's suffering? After all that he endured on our behalf to accomplish our perfect redemption on the cross, how could anything yet lack? But here's the Apostle Paul pointing us to the need that he sensed to fill up on his part that lack. This can be a troubling, even perplexing verse, but it can also be the source of tremendous light concerning God's ultimate heart's desire. Ron Kangas has joined us for more exploration and discovery of another hidden treasure in this book of Colossians. Ron, it seems that at every turn in this remarkable book, it brings us to another layer of the divine revelation, doesn't it? Uh, I would say that is the case, that this book is proceeding higher and higher in the revelation of Christ, but it's not random. Paul knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going, and he knows that the goal of seeing and experiencing the wonderful Christ in Colossians is the carrying out of God's economy, which is to work himself into us and to produce in us and with us and through us is corporate expression. And that corporate expression is identified as Christ's body and also as the new man. And it's striking that Paul would talk about the lack of the sufferings of Christ in relation to the body. This indicates not only that Christ's sufferings for the body need to be completed, but also that Paul was living for uh, the very thing that... um, carried out the heart's desire of God. He was willing to pay a great price to participate in the ministry that would produce the corporate expression of Christ to carry out God's economy. Well, we want to take this verse, Ron, uh, verse 24 that we read at the opening as our focus today. We're going to see in these first two portions that we have of Witness Lee sharing today that there are many verses in the New Testament that accompany this one to make a very profound point. Actually, what we want to see, uh, what we're going to see in this first section, that there are two kinds of suffering related to Christ. And this is uh, not just intriguing. This is marvelous. Here's Witness Lee. We come to uh, filling up the liking of the afflictions of Christ. In this verse, verse 24, in Colossians 1, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf, and fill up that which is lacking. Fill up that which is lacking of the 
afflictions of Christ. How could Christ's suffering still be liking? Didn't Christ do everything? And didn't Christ suffer everything? What would you say? I don't believe all of us in our superstition start to say this. Would say, surely Christ has suffered everything. Well, there are two kinds of afflictions of Christ. Christ has suffered two kinds of afflictions. One kind of Christ's suffering is for redemption. And the other is for producing and building up the church. We must differentiate these two kinds of sufferings of Christ. He suffered two kinds of afflictions. He is suffering for the accomplishment of redemption. 1 Peter 3.18 The righteous died for the unrighteous. He suffered the death and the cross. That suffering is the first kind of affliction. By that suffering, he accomplished his redemption. Then Hebrew 9.26 And then Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 5 And then verses 7 through 8 You could see all those sufferings mentioned in this section of the words refer to the suffering Christ took for the accomplishment of redemption. In this kind of suffering, we have no share. And this kind of suffering has been fully accomplished. You cannot participate in Christ's suffering for redemption. If you say you can, this is blasphemy. Only Christ himself is qualified to suffer this kind of affliction for all redemption. This is the first kind. Then you have the second kind. That is the suffering for what? For producing and uh, building up the body of Christ. Well, Ron, what we have here is uh, kind of a twofold suffering, I think, if I understood him right. Uh, the first suffering related to his redemption, and that is a suffering in which we have no part whatsoever. The second, he just mentioned at the end, and we'll come back to that in a moment, uh, related to uh, the building up of the body of Christ, a kind of suffering for that. But let's go back to the first and focus on that for a minute. A number of verses in the New Testament speak explicitly that Christ uh, suffered on the cross as he was going through the process of carrying out God's redemption by dying a vicarious death. Uh, Christ suffered while on the cross in relation to redemption. There are some, I would call them extremist religious groups, that um, try to mimic some of Christ's sufferings. And uh, they even believe that you know, if they somehow afflict their bodies and even cause the shedding of blood, not unto death, but the shedding of blood and suffering, that this has redemptive merit. 
This kind of teaching and practice are an insult, even a blasphemy, to our Redeemer. We are sinners in need of redemption. We have no standing whatever to participate in Christ's sufferings for our redemption. We simply receive him, appreciate him, love him, give ourselves to him, all of this in response to the Lord's unveiling to us this wonderful person and his all-inclusive redemptive work. But to even think that we could suffer in the way of entering into Christ's sufferings for redemption, I would just call it heretical. It shows gross ignorance and blindness to our fallen situation and our need for a sinless Redeemer. But we need to have this clearly established in order to have the proper understanding of what it is to make up what is lacking of the sufferings of Christ. That's another category of sufferings that we'll see soon. But it has to be deeply impressed upon us and fundamentally settled within us that we do not share in Christ's sufferings for redemption. Christ's sufferings for redemption have been completed once for all. Okay, the contrast is the second aspect or the second kind of suffering, and that is a portion in which we do have a share, not related to redemption. Let's find out about Christ's second kind of suffering. Here's Witness Lee once again. Only Christ himself is qualified to suffer affliction for all redemption. This is the first kind. Then you have the second kind. That is the suffering for what? For producing and uh, building up the body of Christ. And this kind of suffering is indicated in John twelve twenty four. A grain of wheat falls into the earth. This is not for redemption. This is for what? For producing. A grain of wheat falls in the earth and grows up. Then it becomes many grains. And this is for producing. Then Philippians 3.10 says that I may know Christ and his power of resurrection then I may have fellowship in his suffering. You see? And this suffering is not for redemption. This suffering is for the building up of the body. Just like Paul says, and fill up that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the church. This kind of a filling up of the liking of Christ's affliction is not for redemption, but for the building up of the body, which is the church. I hope that you all can see we cannot have fellowship in Christ's sufferings for the redemption, but we need to have a lot of fellowship in Christ's suffering for the church. Then Revelation 1.9, I... John, your brother, who is a partner in the kingdom of Jesus, also in the sufferings of Jesus. Actually, when John was writing Revelation, he was in Patmos. 
And there he was what? He was participating in the sufferings of Jesus. For what? For the church's sake. Then 2 Timothy 2.10 says, For the elect's sake. For the sake of God's chosen people, Paul was suffering that much. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, you could see how much the apostle Paul was under suffering for all the saints. And this kind of suffering is not for redemption, but for the building up of the churches. Ron, he gave us a lot of references here. Uh, I made note of just a couple. John 12, 24, about the seed falling into the ground and dying, and Philippians 3, 10, about our fellowship. Let me ask you the question this way. What can we add to the suffering of Christ that can facilitate the building up of the body of Christ? Let's um, approach this through a picture, and it's a word picture in the Gospel of John revealing a certain aspect of Christ's death. Remember that the soldier pierced his side, and out of his side came blood and water. The blood is for redemption, for the forgiveness of sins. But Christ died not only for redemption. That is to solve the problem of sin. Christ died also to release his life For the producing and building up of the church, his body, and that released life is signified by the water that flowed out from his side. And that aspect of his death we may call the life-releasing aspect. Well, by being one with the Lord in a world, especially of religion and politics, that opposes God's economy, We suffer, and this suffering has the effect of supplying life, of releasing life, by which the church is supplied and the believers grow in the Lord. So we are talking about a suffering portrayed in John 12, 24, in which life is released through death, then imparted in resurrection. And if you read the verses following John 12, 24, you'll see that the Lord says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Well, what does that mean to serve him? It means to serve him by also falling into the ground and dying, spiritually speaking, for the release of life. This life builds up the church as the body of Christ. In the Lord's regeneration, we have all become seeds. You have this expression in the Gospel of Matthew and elsewhere. And we are many grains. And we have a shell around us and the divine life within us. If we are willing to suffer for the Lord's economy, there will be the breaking of this shell and the release of the divine life within this shell for the building up of the church. This kind of suffering, which is a suffering of Christ, has not been completed. But now Christ completes his suffering, not directly in himself, but in the members of his body. 
Therefore, we need to enter into what Paul calls the fellowship of his sufferings. And the Apostle John in Revelation 1.9 was a companion with the believers in the kingdom and in the tribulation in Jesus, that there he's suffering, not merely suffering persecution, but he's suffering in an effective way, in a way that releases life for the building up of the church. And this is quite crucial. There are various kinds of sufferings mentioned in the Bible. This kind is particular. And those who are enlightened by the Lord through his word concerning his economy, who are consecrated to him for the carrying out of his economy, who are willing to spend themselves for the accomplishment of his economy, will to some degree enter into this kind of suffering, which is noble, which is honorable, and which will be rewarded by the Father when we appear before God on that day of judgment. Without this kind of suffering, the church, the body of Christ, cannot be built up. The body of Christ is built up by the divine life. The divine life is imparted into us through regeneration, but it is released out of us and into the body through our making up what is lacking of the sufferings of Christ for his body, the church. Ron, you alluded to uh, sufferings of many varieties that can befall believers uh, in, a, in a general way, and there are uh, a lot of examples of that in Scripture. But this one, and we really want to focus on it in this last very brief section, is specific, it's in a certain context, and you just quoted it there again. Right at the end of this verse, Paul says very clearly, uh, filling up that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the church. And that elicits a certain kind of suffering uh, that is quite particular. And we will look at that in this last section. Today, if you do a Christian work just for gospel preaching, for teaching the Bible, uh, nothing to do with the building of the church, everywhere you go, you'll be welcome. You'll be appreciated. You'll be exalted. Whenever, beside gossip preaching, beside Bible teaching, you touch the matter to build up the church. Whenever you touch the church, you get the trouble. Why? Because this touches the authority of the darkness. Even the Lord Jesus said, I will build up my church upon this rock. Then what? Then the gates of Hades should not be prevailing against it. And this indicates whenever the church is built, the gates of the Hades came to do something. But, hallelujah, we have to believe in the Lord's promise that the gates of the Hades should not prevail against the church. Ron, he made a comment that I want to come back to, and that was that the suffering that comes upon God's faithful ones when this matter of the body and the church becomes the focus is due to the fact that it touches the very authority of darkness. Maybe you could explain this. The Lord said he would build his church upon the rock and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. This indicates war. It indicates attack. 
Why is there this attack that comes from the powers of death? That is because of the function of the church in God's economy. And what is that? That is to bring in the kingdom of the heavens, to bring the Lord back, to pave the way for the Lord to return and establish his kingdom on the earth. Satan, the devil, does not want this. He hates this. He knows that the church is crucial in bringing in the kingdom. So he will do everything he can to destroy the church, to damage the church. And in particular, he will attack that ministry and those who carry out that ministry, which builds up the church. The marvelous thing is that Satan's attack, which largely comes through religion, causes suffering, but this suffering releases the life that builds up the church. And we're not interested in just a neat formulation of thoughts, but we have to understand that Satan's kingdom, the authority of darkness, does not want to lose ground on the earth. The church is here to bring in the kingdom. The authority of darkness will attack the church, largely through religion, but also through politics. That causes suffering, For those who are standing for God's interests, that suffering, though, releases life. In that life, the church is built. And that life, I would add, is resurrection life. Because there's only one kind of life that the gates of Hades, that is the power of death, cannot prevail. And that is resurrection life. And actually, I would add this, the life study of the scriptures is a study not only in the divine life, but in the resurrection life. A life enjoyed, a life experienced, and a life released at great cost, but with joy for the body of Christ. His word here, Ron, uh, seemed to me to to, uh, constitute a a rather somber forecast, I think, for all of those of us who uh, hopefully are following the Lord earnestness and a seriousness, and that is that not only was this the case historically with uh, John and Paul and the apostles in that age, but we can well expect similarly that if we give ourselves to this, uh, we will experience this very selfsame suffering, won't we? We will, but the Lord had the joy set before him. And we need to have a governing vision of what is on God's heart. And we need to have before us the joy of appearing before him on that day and having him say, well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. And so there is a certain amount of affliction, but that is measured out by God. He supplies us his sufficient grace. He is Emmanuel. He is with us all the days And the issue of this present affliction will be a glorious consummation. So let's keep our eye on him, and let's keep our eye on the glorious issue of living a life in fellowship with him, even when that life involves the fellowship of his sufferings. It's an honor to be one with him in this fellowship. I will just give our listeners a little um, brief preview. Uh, Next Monday's program, as we continue this thought, uh, we'll stay in this vein as we look at a verse that follows about completing or fulfilling 
the Word of Christ. Please join us for that. And Ron, I uh, as always have appreciated our time together today. You're welcome back whenever you can work it into your schedule. Uh, I'm pretty sure that will happen, Chris. As always, we invite you to contact us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Colossians, Paul uses a number of special terms for Christ, the portion of the saints, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians reveals that Christ is profound and all-inclusive. The all-inclusive Christ transcends our understanding. Our need is to be infused, saturated, and permeated with him until, in our experience, Christ is everything to us, our food, our drink, our feasts, our holy days, our Sabbath, our new moon, our everything. We must not allow anything to replace Christ or to be a substitute for Him. The printed Life Study of Colossians is available in a three-volume set with a total of 65 messages. To order, call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That number again is 1-888-543-3788.